0: Let's look at Genesis chapter nine. Um, There we go, Genesis nine and verse one. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear of you and the dread of you (laughs) shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens upon everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea, into your hand they are delivered. Wow, that's very intense. Um, everything in all creation will fear you, will have this dread, um, and they'll run away from you. Uh, verse three, every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And as I give you, gave you the green plants, I give you everything, but, And you be fruitful and multiply, team on the earth, and multiply in it. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you, and with every living creature that is with you, uh, the birds, the livestock, and every beast of the earth with you. As many as came out of the ark, it is for every beast of the earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. So that's verse 17. Um, So there is this sign that's very encouraging. Everything, every time God sees the bow in the clouds, the rainbow, which is quite an amazing thing when you think of it, you know, God would build this into the cycle of Um, creation, the weather, you know, rain, and then the clouds clear, and then you see this colorful thing in the sky. Apparently uh, when God sees it, he'll remember uh, not to judge us. (laughs) He'll remember this covenant, this contract that he makes between himself and Noah, but also between himself and everything, every living thing on the earth for all generations after Noah, meaning includes us. So uh, whenever God sees that rainbow, maybe you see a rainbow today, you're driving back or you look out today you know, after it rains and you see this thing, colorful thing in the clouds, you know, it's for God's benefit you know, so that God will not destroy you, will not destroy us with another flood like this. And this is meant to trigger God's remembrance. He says, verse 15, I will remember my covenant. Verse 16, when the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember. So it's um, remembrance of his own word. Uh, Kind of like, I don't know, um, a notification in your phone or kind of like a calendar um, pin that you put in every every so often to remind you to I don't know, eat more vegetables or to remember to go to a dentist, that kind of thing. For God, you know, he puts these reminders into uh, the cycle of um, the weather of the seasons so that he will not destroy the earth. And remembering again that God saved Noah after he remembered him. You know, verse one of chapter eight, God remembered Noah and all the animals. And then God, you know, pulled back, you know, that. Judgment that it destroyed everything on the earth. So there's a kind of repetition of that that God does for our sakes. He remembers us, He remembers His word, His uh, covenant to us, and He does not destroy us. And I guess it's um, not how we typically would think of salvation. Salvation is, you know, like uh, the Batman signal, you know, we're in trouble and they send up the signal and Batman comes and saves us. But here is almost like a signal for God not to destroy us. So it reminds us that the basis of salvation is actually this judgment that we deserve. It's not from something else or someone else, but God himself, you know, is holy. When he sees the sin in our hearts, he sees how pervasive it's become. You know, it's not just us, but everything and everyone and every living thing on the earth has now been corrupted by our sin. You know, God's rightful response to that in His holiness is to destroy everything as He did in the flood, but in His grace, He pulls it back. In His love, He remembers that He's promised to hold back this kind of judgment that we deserve. So the basis of that is actually God's holiness. God deserves and God is right in pouring out His judgment, but in His grace and because of His promise, God remembers that He has promised to be merciful and gracious towards us in a way that we do not deserve. Okay, all right. Um, so that's the second bit of this covenant, this sign, this rainbow. Uh, which is worth remembering because, you know, these days the rainbow as a sign has been co-opted by all kinds of um, other things. You know, by various um, social groups, or even by, you know, um, uh, you know the story of the leprechaun with the. Part of gold at the end of the rainbow. You know, you remember so many other things, but very few of us, at least um, my impression is we don't immediately go to the Bible where God says, I've made this my sign. The rainbow is meant to be a reminder that encourages us as Christians that God has put this sign for us to be thankful for, to be rejoicing in this rainbow that God does not judge us as we deserve. And I think I wonder if we should, you know, claim it back, you know, uh, remind ourselves again and speak to others the significance of this sign that they think means something else. But actually, the Bible clearly reminds us that this is one of the evidences of God's patience and grace and love towards us. So, the rainbow and that first covenant to Noah, but also to everyone after Noah, it's something that applies today. something that we could use today in the preaching of the gospel and point towards Jesus, ultimately taking all that flood of that judgment upon himself. Um, But again, that's the second half of uh, this um, covenant, uh, that significance, that sign. The first half is really interesting because God blesses Noah the way he blessed the first um, humanity. Adam and Eve was commanded to fill the earth, to be fruitful, to multiply. And now God um, issues the same command onto Noah and his family, almost as um, the, the new version of humanity. So uh, we saw in the previous chapter that God has kind of like rebooted the earth. You know, he's restarted creation after the flood, cleaned up everything and it's starting from scratch, uh, well, not kind of scratch, it starts from this small sample size with this new created order, and at the center of it is Noah and his family. And they are told, first one, to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. But then everything after that is accompanied by this fear. So it sounds great, you know, multiply, be fruitful, and almost saying you know, this earth is meant to be ruled, Again, under God, but um, through man, through Noah. So you're meant to have this presence on the earth. You're meant to fill it. Every, every bit of it's meant to be seen as uh, a place for you to live in and evidence of God's presence in it, his image uh, through you, you know, um, dwelling on the earth. But at the same time, everyone else is going to fear you because of this dominion. Verse two the fear of you. And a dread of you will be upon every beast of the earth, every bird of the heavens. So um, it's uh, something new. That was something that wasn't in that first chapter of Genesis when God first gave that blessing to multiply and fill the earth. Uh, another thing that seems to be new is how God establishes this food chain. You know, verse three every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. Um, It seems that this is a new thing that only happens after the flood. God gives um, all the creatures to Noah as protein in their diet. You know, everything that moves, you know, you can eat it. You know, it's there for you. The same way that God gave the plants, verse three, God says, I give you everything. And I guess there is a connection between that fear and that food chain. The reason why all these animals are running from you is because, you know, you're at the top of this food chain. And I guess that's something to think about that um, uh, it makes sense. You know, the reason why, you know, um, I'm trying to think of some animals, the rabbit runs away from the lion is because the lion can eat the rabbit. And so theoretically the reason why all these animals are running away from us because it's because God has given them for food for us on one hand, but the other hand, you know, they're prey, you know, we are, we are their predator. And so there's that kind of fear, that kind of dread that says, you know, I need to get away from you because you're going to make mincemeat of me, make burgers out of me. And um, God then adds this caveat that we are not meant to eat the blood uh, of the of these animals, um, verse four, but you shall eat its flesh, but uh, not eat sorry, but you shall not eat with its life that it 's its blood, so you meant you can 't eat a meat, but uh, there's a sign of its life. That is sacred in this meat, and there, that's why God says make sure that there is no maybe traces of blood, or maybe not even consume just the blood itself. Uh, makes me think of how in Penang we have curry mee and we have these coagulated blood uh, thing that flows in the that that floats in the noodles, and so maybe God saying you can't do that because um, not as bad for you, or but it's kind of like significant of how uh, blood is. God's gift of life. You know, it's uh, when you kill something, you see the blood and that kind of thing. And so you can tell that, that, that it's been killed and it's, it, it's a sign that something's wrong when the blood is outside of you. Yeah, so God wants to preserve that kind of sanctity of the life that He gives to all living beings. And so even though He gives us uh, these animals for food, we're meant to recognize that um, it's come through sacrifice Something has died, so that we can have this sustenance, and it's really, really serious because it goes on. It just goes on to talk about how serious is it for it to shed blood. Verse five, and for your lifeblood, I will require reckoning. So, if anyone kills you as a human being, you know God is going to pour out this judgment Uh, from every beast. I will require it, and from man. So, if an animal kills you, you know God is going to not sure how he's going to do this, but God is going to require a kind of payment for killing a human being, but also from man, if another person kills a human being. So verse from his fellow man, verse five, I will require a reckoning for the life of man. And then there's this poem, whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. Why? Why? for God made man in His own image. So again, at the top of the food chain, at the top of this, um, of all creation, all living things, is this position of authority, of privilege, because God has made this one created being, human beings, um, in His image. And so to strike down a man, to kill him, is to defile that image of God inside of him. Um, how do we understand this? Um, it's interesting that it ends with this warning uh, for fellow human beings. So, um, and that makes sense, right? You know, because now you're allowed to kill other animals for food and maybe the thought will come through your head Why don't I kill one of my fellow men? (laughs) And you know, most of us, you know, we think I would never do that. But when you think of the people that you fear in life, you're intimidated by your boss. For me, you know, my lecturer just gave me 42 marks in my, (laughs) in my, I barely passed, you know, passing 40, and you think, oh, wow, that person has so much power over me. How someone can make mincemeat out of you, you know. Like we, there is this kind of food chain in society. You now, people have more money. People have more authority. Can can stomp down. Can oppress those below them. Can almost like quote unquote kill them. You know, uh, destroy them. Maybe their reputation. Maybe take away their job. That kind of thing. Then that kind of dread exists even amongst. Um, People who are supposed to be at the top of this food chain. People who are meant to respect one another and recognize that. Imagine one another, you know, we create this dread. And therefore the way that we secure ourselves, make ourselves feel safe is we try to go up higher in that food chain. And here is God saying, you know, hey, you need to watch out that as you do this, you do not oppress, you do not kill, you do not take the life of someone else by by not recognizing that they too are made in the image of God like you. And um, the, the punishment for this is a kind of judgment you know, that God will require. And the first half talks about judgment if you're to kill one another. And the second half, again, we saw the rainbow, is God holding back this judgment. And I think the two is meant to to be a counterbalance. On the one hand, you know, God will hold back the judgment. God will hold back His anger. But on the other hand, at least within this lifetime, within this society, you know, there still exists this kind of image of God that has been um, defiled by sin and we will take advantage of that. And so God builds into society, you know, his laws and maybe even his judgments to keep us in check so that we do not take advantage of, um, of the fact that we can actually sin even against one another, not least against God. And I guess that's worth remembering uh, when, um, I don't know how, you know, actually, yes, in this chapter, we can eat meat. We can eat protein, for example, But it's possible to get carried away with that. You know, you can say, oh, it's my right to do this. And so we make fun of vegans or vegetarians, you know, who are you to tell me not to eat meat? God tells me that I can. But again, you know, this is maybe not the most ideal way to exercise that image of God where we we're meant to show that we care for the earth, we care for the animals and all the living things in the earth and to see them just as resources for us to sustain ourselves. And so there's a point, actually I wonder, even in vegetarians and vegans in saying that maybe are we you know, just consuming and over consuming the earth and maybe making taking advantage of this grace and this allowance that God gives us in Genesis 9. And also between one another, yes, we do not kill each other again. You know, if you do that rightfully, you go to jail and you suffer some punishment, you maybe even get some penalty. In some cases, you know, there's even a death penalty and some, some people use this passage to justify that. But even before that kind of extreme, you know, do we treat one another as people who are low in the food chain? You know, people who have the higher degrees, and those who haven't studied at Cambridge, those who got better marks in SBTC, and those who didn't, uh, those who can preach and those who can't, uh, those who have positions of authority in your company, in your school, and even in your social groups, and then you treat everyone else as prey, and you kind of, kind of like threaten them. You know, if if I wanted to, you know, I could, I could eat you up. You know, I could destroy you. I could take your life. I have that right. And you don't, you don't. It's, it's a desecration of this kind of grace that God gives us, this kind of judgment that God holds back, that, we, that it is tempting to take advantage of and to then to exercise in a way that almost you know, disrespects and forgets how God has been gracious to us post Noah's flood. Um, yeah, yeah, no, it's kind of longer, 19 plus minutes. But yeah, uh, lots to think about here. Um, again, at the center of it is God, you know, God remembering to be merciful, to be um, loving and gracious towards us and hold back that judgment. And sometimes that's something that we need to remember ourselves, you know, when we think we are right in having that stake or maybe even, um, uh, you know, uh, using our power to show someone, show someone up and uh, maybe, you know, berate them and to scold them. And, you know, you know, how are we, you know, maybe as gracious as God is to us in holding back that judgment? Maybe they do deserve it. Maybe, maybe we should be more overly uh, forgiving and gracious and hold back whatever judgments that we have simply because we have that position or that ability to do so. And um, every time God sees that rainbow, you know, he he remembers that he needs to be merciful for us. Maybe we should be looking out for these signs. Maybe you should be having these kind of pointers, these kind of regular reminders in our own lives. And you put a rainbow in your like in your Bible every few pages or in your calendar to say, Hey, today I need to remember to hold back any preconceived judgments even though they deserve it. I need to remember to be gracious. I need to remember that my fellow human beings, my brothers and sisters all share in this grace and this image of God together with me. Um, Yeah. Okay, let me pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, help us uh, to have these reminders in our lives, Uh, not to take it for granted that you've made this covenant to be gracious upon us, and that you've poured it all out on the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what we enjoy, this freedom, this forgiveness, this relationship with you now. Help us to mirror this in our own lives by having these reminders as well, for us to be gracious, to make this an active thing, not to uh, live in a food chain society and to oppress others, but to be generous, to lift them up and to reflect again that grace, that generosity, and that love to those that you have redeemed. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.